0: checked one. <laughs> it was actually checked two, but I said check one, anyways. Welcome, guys. Welcome to church. Thanks for joining us. We have a new clock in the lobby, and it's nine or it's eight fifty-eight out there. So we gotta get a clock committee to take care of that. Um, so glad you're here with us this morning. Want to say welcome to church. Thanks for being here with us. We come to church. Uh, because we value community and worshiping God in community together, we talk a lot about belonging together and and having a church family that that you can you can find belonging with and a context a community context that you can uh, you can worship worship God in that you can serve your community in that you can be discipled in and uh, and and we want we want to be that community that belongs together and we want we want to say thank you for being with us today. If you are looking for information about us, maybe if you're visiting, if you're newer, uh, there are cards in the seatbacks in front of you, and you can use those. You can fill one of those out and drop it. There's boxes on each end of the hallway that you can drop those in. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's just an easy way to get connected with us. But yeah, once again, welcome. I want to remind you guys about My Life Bridge. My Life Bridge is uh, the, best, the best place to stay up to date with things we've got going on, events, events. Um, and uh and communication things like that you can if you if you can find my life bridge you can get signed up for email and text updates we, we communicate via email on a weekly basis as well you can give online from there we also have a uh monday through friday devotional both in written and audio format that you can find from my life bridge as well so check out mylifebridge.church we also want to thank you for your giving thank you for giving to support our mission um when you give it helps us meet needs not just inside these church walls not just keeping our lights on or or, or paying payroll things like that but also helping meet needs locally and globally Um, some of our partners both both here in in the city of burlington that are doing that are doing kingdom work that are that are um, a part of the good work of the kingdom that we support and also our global partners so we thank you for your generosity that helps all of this ministry, both here and abroad, happen. We thank you for uh thank you for your faithfulness in that. You can give online uh through our website. You can you can give online one time and you can set up recurring gifts there as well. We also use Venmo for you uh Zillennials or whatever they're called. I don't really understand it. I mean, I use it, but I'm a millennial, I think. I look I look like maybe a boomer, but uh but <laughs> That's just a hair issue. Anyway, and then uh, there's giving boxes on, on each end of the hallway. There's black boxes right outside this door and then up by the lobby. Um, and you can, you can give there as well. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. Thank you for supporting our mission. Okay, we want to let you guys know that our next conference is coming up. It's June 5th through the 12th. That's the week of it. So our conference weeks, we call it a conference week. Really what it is, is it's, it's a week of focused growth where we have a lot more discipleship content going on um, here at church. So June 5th and 12th, those are Sundays. We have guest speakers both those weeks. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, we're going to have stuff happening in the building here, something different for you to engage with every night. So we want you guys to just save the dates. We're going to talk more in detail about what those events are in the coming weeks. But we want you guys to kind of save and bookmark this time in your calendar. We do this four times a year. And a big part of our, a big part of our thought process with kind of classes and things of that nature is that we don't want to fill people's calendar all the time. We don't want to be a be a part of just the busyness. Um, we do four of these a year, and when we do them, we ask people to really carve out as much time as they can to be a part of it. So it's four. There's 52 weeks in a year, right? Or sometimes 53, 52 and a half. It just kind of depends on the leap year situation. But really, there's usually 52 Sundays a year. And um, and and so out of those 52 weeks, we, we take four a year, and we say, please, Carve out the time, prioritize this for this week. Be here as much as you possibly can. And that week for us is June 5th through the 12th. So we're going to talk about it in more detail in coming weeks, but I want you guys to pop it in your calendar and, uh, and, and keep that time clear as best you can to participate in the Pursuit Conference where we will be uh, diving a little bit deeper into the same stuff we're talking about uh, all campaign long right now. John will be up here in a little bit talking about it as well. Okay, next, it is Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to you moms out there. Shout out shout out, moms, moms both in, in, in the building and, and around the world. Um, we're thankful for you guys, and we're actually going to take a few minutes this morning. We've got, we got Mike two over there, ready to go. We're going to take a few minutes, and we're going we're gonna to give people a chance to share. We can do three, just a reason that they're thankful for their mom. It's really simple. A reason that they're thankful for their mom. I'm going to go first, um, just while well, you guys start thinking of ideas. And then if you hear something in mind and you want to kind of like steal that for yours, you can you can do that first. You can do that too. I'm thankful for my mom. My mom is the most, uh, she's the most responsible person, if that makes sense. Like she is, I think I said, I I, I think I preached last week and I said that my mom did uh my mom did, like, envelope systems for, like, our our money and our budget. Years before anyone was, like, you know, doing that as, like, a course or whatever. She just made it up, and she was doing it at our house, like, when I was a kid. And I remember I'd, I'd say, hey, can I ride my bike to uh, what's now Gooseberries? Back then it was uh, Schmeling's Piggly Wiggly. And I'd say, can I can I have money to to go to ride my bike to the store and, and get, like, a snack or whatever? And she knew that there was... Um, she knew there was like a little candy dispenser there that you put a nickel in and you got a piece of candy. And she'd give me a nickel. I'd go to the store. I'd ride my bike with my friends. They'd have like a soda and like a bag of chips and I'd have like a single piece of candy. Um, we didn't have a lot of money and she, she really stayed on top. She was really good uh, with budgeting and stuff like that. And she raised, uh, my dad was a pastor. She raised seven kids, um, stayed home, worked her butt off, taught piano lessons in the afternoon once we were all home. I mean, it was just, it's crazy. Um, and uh, But I, I'm so thankful for, for just what, what she taught and, and the culture that she had for our family around, around handling those things with a lot of responsibility. So I'm very thankful for my mom on Mother's Day. And I'll, I'll tell her that later when I have lunch with her. But um, Okay, that's enough time for you guys to think of something. We can do a couple. Anybody want to share about their mom? Be brave, go first. Be brave, go first. <gasps> that's great. We got one over here.
1: She makes me happy when I'm sad or left out or just lonely. And I'm just really thankful that, like, that mothers are mothers.
0: Amen. That's awesome. Do we have another one? Yeah, another one back right
1: there. She takes care of me.
0: Perfect. We can do a couple more. Anybody want to be brave? Say something about their mom. Something nice about their mom. On the mic. Um, she makes me happy and she makes me laugh a lot. I love it. Just pass it on down.
1: (laughs) She's nice to me.
0: That's great. Any more? I just love her. It's really nice. Anyone else something about your mom? I guess I could be the only adult who goes. That's fine. It's fine with me. All right. Tom's going to go. Love it. Tom's going to close us out. So to uh repeat Shiloh's. My mom was nice to me, so too. But my mom died in 1999 of breast cancer, and I would love to tell her one more time how much I love her.
1: Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I was going to say my mom, uh, I knew I was coming up with a mic, so I figured I wouldn't take that mic time. but my mom's a very principled person, and I ended up writing her a, uh, a letter earlier this year and sharing that with her um, because some of the things that I just, I've wanted to communicate to my mom and my dad, I don't want to wait until, I, I told them, I don't want to wait until your funeral to communicate this about you. So I wanted to tell them in person. So as much as you can, I would encourage you guys to just tell your parents as much as you can know how much you love them and what they mean to you. Again, my mom was a very principled person. She, <laughs> uh, she had her convictions. She was very strong in her convictions, and she stuck with them. And she imparted those convictions to us, many of them. She was determined to live them out. And she, <laughs> she made convictions before I was even born that she still carries out to this day, that... Aren't aren't necessarily like <clears throat> they're not necessarily just ethical imperatives, but they're convictions that she knows would be good for her. So she's lived them out to this day, she's been a person of integrity to this day. And growing up in her home, I had a first first hand view of her life, and she's a person of integrity. She's stuck with them and she carries them out. She reads her Bible every day, she prays every day. She really cares about people coming to know Jesus. Um, She will share the gospel with anybody at the drop of a hat. We call her the closer because she gets people to confess their faith in Christ. (laughs) She got the garbage man too one day and he's only there for like, you know, 30 seconds. (laughs) It's impressive. (laughs) All right, Uh, be sure to honor your moms today. All right, let's pray and then we'll jump into sermon. Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, we just want to worship you today with all of our beings. So Lord, be honored and glorified as we open your word, as we, Lord, seek to love you by together seeking you through your word, by together worshiping you, praying together. So Lord, be honored and glorified in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our campaign is called The Pursuit, and we're talking about healthy personal growth in a self-absorbed world. So I'm not gonna go into too much detail here, but briefly, where we've been in the campaign. We started out this campaign talking about who we are in Christ, talking about some of our our identity of what it means to be human. Uh, So we talked about how we're created in the image of God, and yet we're mortal talked about how we're fallen, so we should have a healthy skepticism for our motives and have a healthy skepticism of the way we think about stuff, uh, especially when it comes to the things that we pursue, that we should have this healthy skepticism to be sure that we're not just being selfish and we haven't uh, taken what might be a good thing and made it an ultimate thing, as we're going to talk about today, and deceived ourselves into thinking that what we're pursuing is really for God, but when in actuality it's just for our selfish desires. So, our fallen nature dictates, uh, should dictate a healthy skepticism for us. And then finally, on Easter, we talked about how we're new creations in Christ and what it means that we've been made new in Christ and how we have this new identity in Christ. And so, whatever we pursue should ultimately align with that new identity that we have in Christ. Because this transformation that occurs in us when we come to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior is a whole person transformation. It's all of us is transformed and is being transformed into the image of Christ. And so, if that is the core of our identity and who we are, what we pursue should flow out of that. It should flow out of our identity and the the most basic aspects of who we are, or else we will be unfulfilled. Our longings will be left unmet and unsatisfied. So, we must begin there with who we are in Christ, and then decide what to pursue out of that. So today and the rest of this campaign, we're shifting gears a little bit from talking about who we are to what it is that we are pursuing and why we pursue it with our lives. On Easter, I left you with the question, what do you long for the most? What do you long for the most in your life? I wanna unpack this idea a little bit more with you today. Because as I think about pursuits, when I think about the pursuits of personal growth or personal development or career pursuits, whatever, I keep coming back to this idea that you pursue what you long for the most. I think this is objectively true. That ultimately we will pursue what it is that we long for the most. When you have the freedom to pursue what you want, then it kind of comes down to what do you want? And you will spend your time, your energy, your motivation, your mental energy, your relational capacities, your, uh, your, your finances, all of it will be geared towards, ultimately, what you long for the most. Now, a couple points on this before we even begin. Our longings are ranked, okay? We have lots of longings. We long for lots of things. But they're ranked, usually unbeknownst to us, they kind of just exist under the surface, we haven't maybe articulated this, or maybe we have articulated it, but more in a sense of this is what I want to long for, not what I actually long for, and there's a difference there, we'll talk about that in a minute, but they're ranked, right? I see a dozen donuts sitting out on the counter, I long to eat all of those, because they're delicious, I love donuts, I have, that's the one food that I get cravings for, is donuts, I love them so much. But I also long to be healthy. <laughs> and eating a whole box of donuts is incredibly unhealthy. It's not gonna go, like those, those two longings don't fit, right? So, when I'm doing well, and <laughs> I make wise choices, I maybe eat one, or I just pass on them altogether, right? Because I long for something more than just the taste of a donut. I know that they're tasty, but ultimately there's something bigger than that that I long for more. It's a stronger longing. So as I said briefly a moment ago, there's a big distinction here that we have to make, that we don't pursue uh, what, you don't pursue what you think you long for the most. You pursue what you actually long for the most. And those two are not always the same thing. A Couple of things on this. One, your longings, they originate in your heart and not in your mind. I think we're far more driven by our longings that originate in our heart than we are by our logic and our reason and what our mind tells us that we should want or we have convinced ourselves that we want. Even if you fancy yourself a logical, reasoning, thinking person, you are driven by your heart. And I think this is one of the greatest deceptions of Satan that he has convinced people in the Western world of that they are driven more by their mind than they are by their heart, because then we, we get so logical and we get so in our head that we miss what's really going on in here. And ultimately, we're driven by this, but we think we're driven by this, so we're missing the whole world. We're missing out on an entire world of our inner life. I use the analogy in the devotional this week. It's kind of like, like a ship setting sail, and I know nothing about sailing or boats or anything like that, but before you set sail, you choose a direction right? And then while you're traveling, you may have to make an adjustment of, you know, a few degrees or two. But if that first direction is wrong, and you're heading east and you should be heading west, a few, direction, a few degree directional changes doesn't do very much, right? So if your heart has desired something bigger than that first directional change, or you're like, I'm going this way, That's your heart, your heart sets that direction, your mind makes a few directional corrections along the way. So if you're heading in the wrong way, if your heart is pursuing something completely opposite of the kingdom of God, a few directional changes doesn't really help. You're still heading in the wrong direction. So it's a huge mistake for us to neglect the inner heart of what we're pursuing. Secondly, sometimes we justify what we long for as good and a kingdom value when it's really a selfish value. For example, you can say that you long for great wealth so that you can give more away. But the question is, do you really? (laughs) Is that really the heart of the matter? Or, remember, we're fallen, so we need to approach this with a healthy skepticism, or are we longing for great wealth so that we can just live an easy life? It may, it may be that, it may not be that. I can't determine that for you, but we need to approach that with a healthy skepticism. And then thirdly, when you know what the right answer should be, you keep saying it over and over again to the point that you just eventually believe it to be true, even if it's not true at all. We kind of convince ourselves that my heart longs for the kingdom, longs for Jesus, but nothing in your life reveals that to be true. The way that you spend your time, your energy, your money, your effort, all of that, nothing reveals it to be true, but you've convinced yourself that this is the answer that I should say, so that's what you eventually come to believe. And then you don't do the actual inner work of discovering what you truly long for the most. I'm going to use this analogy probably throughout, and I might just like drop it in so I need to say it. I might just say heart compass, and you'll be like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? Okay. Um, In Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow, and it's Caribbean, not Caribbean. That's so weird people say it that way. Okay. You can say it either way. It's fine. In in Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow, he has this compass that it doesn't point north, but it points to what the holder wants the most, right? And as I process this and been thinking through this for the sermon today, I think that's such a good analogy because we have that compass. Our life is headed towards what we want the most. Is it Jesus and his kingdom or is it something else? You're betting your life on it because this is a lifelong pursuit and trajectory that you have set your life on. So is that compass pointing towards Jesus or is it pointing towards something or someone else? That's a question that's worth wrestling with. We're going to look at this from the life of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Now, we were here a lot in our Reconstruct campaign. I'm just going, so I'm just going to read this first section, okay? But then we're going to keep going. And as we keep going, we're going to see the Apostle Paul's pursuits have changed. His ambitions have totally changed because he's a new creation in Christ Jesus, in the New Bible Commentary, they, they give this section the heading Spiritual Ambitions. Spiritual Ambitions. So, what are you pursuing? What are your ambitions? What are you striving for? You strive for what your heart desires the most. So, here's what Paul writes beginning here in verse 7. I'm just going to read through this first section pretty quick, but man, this section is powerful. But whatever gain I had, remember, he had just gone through a long list of things, successes and achievements that he has had as a leader in the Jewish community, as a Pharisee. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, Rubbish is too weak of a word there. It's probably stronger. (laughs) Uh, For the kids in here, I... No, I'm not going to do that. Nope. Nope. In order that I make it... Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. All right. All right. Whatever. Okay, so in in the message version, Eugene Peterson translates that. Trash and... uh, Dog, do. (laughs) You're welcome, buddy. (laughs) For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, trash, feces, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Then he goes on in verse 12, and this is what we're gonna focus on. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. That word press on literally means pursue, to follow in haste, to chase after, to run after. What Paul is pursuing is this perfection in Christ, to experience more and more of Christ's resurrection life, to know Jesus more, and to achieve the prize of which he calls him to, which we're going to see in just a moment. And then he says this, because Christ has made me his own. Again, this is the heart of the matter. Because he has this new identity in Christ, because Christ has made him new, he's now found in Christ. Therefore, that's why he presses on to make it his own, this resurrection life. He knows who he is in Christ, that Christ has made him new, and so he presses on. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There it is again, press on. This is what Paul is pursuing with all of his life. The prize here is, it's unclear of what he means. It's most likely a general prize that he's talking about. I think he's talking about the prize of everything being, uh, that comes from being united in Christ. Everything that comes from knowing Jesus. He talks about having righteousness that is through faith, but not through good deeds and following the law. He talks about knowing Christ. Relationship with Christ is a good way of describing that idea being found in Christ. He talks about his citizenship that is in heaven, the resurrection life that Christ gives those who are in him. So the prize that he is pursuing is this identity. He knows who he is in Christ, this purpose and this destiny where he's ultimately headed. Now this is athlete language, right? Pursuing, pressing on towards the goal for the prize. If you listen to any athlete talk about their longing to reach the top of their game, to be the best, to win a title, to win the championship. They long so deeply for it that they're willing to pursue it with such discipline and time and effort and energy. That's the language that they use to talk about winning a game. (laughs) How much more should our longing be to know Christ to attain the prize to which God has called us to, to be in Christ. That has actual meaning. Winning a game isn't really that important in life. Knowing Christ is far more important. Let those of us who are mature think this way. This is a a spiritual maturity. Now, so much of of our Christian discipleship towards maturity focuses here on the way that we think. And we should think truthfully, which is absolutely true, and we should. But what Paul is getting at here is something deeper. He's getting at your longings. Is this what you're driving towards? Is this what you're pressing towards and pursuing? Is it knowing Christ and what comes from being in Christ? That's a sign of spiritual maturity. So, I think we've missed the boat if we focus only on the way that we think. If we dissect and Get into all of the weeds of theology and that's all we think about with Christian maturity. We must also examine what we long for and what we're pursuing with our life and our energy and our effort and our time. All of that is a part of Christian maturity. And if in anything you think otherwise, God reveal that also to you. Paul's saying God will reveal this. Pray, pray for God to reveal to you your inner longings, your deepest desires only let us hold true to what we have attained. So what Paul's after here, and when he talks about not not achieving perfection yet, what he's talking about here is trying to live up to the call that Christ has put on his life. Christ has redeemed him, saved him. He is in Christ. He is a part of the family of God. He's been given this special calling and mission to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So now what he's trying to do is just live up to that. He knows who he is in Christ, that he's found in Christ. Now, he wants to live in accordance with this new identity that he has in Christ. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the, to the example that you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears. Paul can't even write about the people that he has in mind when he says this, who are walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. He can't even write about them without bringing tears to his eyes. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So he emphasizes the cross here to point to the suffering. Paul's in prison as he writes this letter. So those who have walked away from the gospel are unwilling to suffer, or it's like a prosperity gospel thing in the first century where they say if you're really following God, then you shouldn't have to suffer at all, that God should protect you and give you wealth and an easy life something like that, they're despising the cross. They're not even looking at the sufferings of Christ and willing to follow in his footsteps. Eugene Peterson, again, in the message, he writes it like this, all they want is easy street. All they want is easy street. How accurate of a description is that for American Christianity. What we really want is easy street. What we really want is luxury. What we really want is wealth and easy living. We don't want the cross of Christ. And of those who that is their true longing, Paul says, their end is Destruction. That's what they're driving to. That's what they're really pursuing. Desiring and longing for just easy street without the cross of Christ is leading to destruction. He says, their God is their belly. What he means is that is what they long for, the, okay, let's take a step back. What you long for the most is your God. Your God is what you long for, ultimately. And if it is to satisfy your baser instincts, exemplified here, described as the belly, right? what you eat and consume, like, think donuts, right? What you long for in your sinful nature, that's a a metaphor for things of this earth as he says in just a moment where their minds are set on earthly things they glory in their shame think power that's if your god is your belly you just desire to have that satisfaction of power prestige pride self promotion wealth easy living there are others that I'm not including because the kids are here, but you can go there. <laughs> you guys can go there. You know what I'm talking about. Their God isn't just their belly, they glory in their shame. So they boast about their easy living. They boast about the new stuff that they have and how big it is and how wonderful and glorious it is. When in the kingdom of God, that is shameful. They boast about their sin. They boast about their ability to impose their will on others. Those who are pursuing that, that, that is their deepest longing. Destruction is what they're really pursuing, and they don't know it usually. Dallas Willard says that the ultimately lost person is the person who cannot want God. The ultimately lost person is the person who cannot want God. Because their God is their belly. (laughs) They're simply desiring self-satisfaction, self-promotion, self-gratification, that they cannot desire God. But our citizenship is in heaven, contrasting the two. Band you guys and come and get set up. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That he will give us this perfection, this resurrection body that is found in Christ and in him alone. Because that is where your citizenship is. If you are in Christ, That's where you belong. That's your ultimate home. C.S. Lewis calls it uh, a new country, or a heavenly country. It's this beautiful picture of where we're destined to be, is with Christ. And he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So here's our big idea. Again, you pursue what you long for the most. Can you, like Paul, say what he said there, that this is what you are pressing on towards, that this is what you are truly pursuing. Or are you, is your God your belly? (laughs) Remember, your God is what you long for the most. And if it's not God, then it's something else. And that is a path to destruction talk about this more in a few moments when I come back up. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who calls us to you, who points us to Jesus, and Jesus, how you satisfy our deepest longings. Lord, we confess that we are so prone towards pursuing other things in this life, towards longing for other things in this life. But, Jesus, you are the only one who satisfies fully. So we love you, Lord, and to express, Lord, our deepest longing is for you. So, Lord, may the words that we sing truly reflect the longing of our heart. May we desire to build our life on you, Jesus. To love you ultimately, to long for you and your kingdom above all else. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a few minutes. Big idea, if you remember, is you pursue what you long for the most. This is one of those foundational concepts. I'm not giving you specifics of don't long for this, long for this. But this is one of those concepts that when we're longing for Christ, when we're longing for his kingdom, will orient the rest of your life in what you pursue. That if this is right, then everything else in your life will kind of follow suit with this and get in line with what you pursue the most, with what you long for. I read this a while back and I wish I wrote it down so I could tell you who said it. But he said, if you want people to build a ship, don't teach them the specific techniques of nailing this piece of wood here and building the mast. He said, teach them to long for the open sea. I think that is such a profound concept. That if we would only long for Christ like Paul longs for Jesus, like Peter longs for Jesus, then then we wouldn't be meddling with all of the, the ethical questions, with all of the debated theology and all of that stuff. Like That's fine, but it wouldn't be a big deal because we'd long for Jesus above all else and everything else just kind of falls in line with that. Guys, this is foundational for your life in Christ. This is the heart of following Christ, is longing for him. And not just the things that he gives you, but him. If you notice in the verses that we read, how much Paul says in Christ, knowing Christ, he, he just wants Jesus. And the things that come of that, righteousness and Citizenship in heaven is is just the product of longing for Christ. So my prayer for all of you guys and i can't I can't convince you of this. Like, It's not enough to just like convince you that what you're longing for and pursuing in your mind is headed towards destruction, is of the things of this earth. That's fine. It it doesn't get to your heart. You can be convinced that the things of this earth and longing for those and pursuing those are headed towards destruction, but if your heart still desires them, you're still going to pursue them you'll just come up with ways of justifying your pursuits. And so my prayer for you and for me and for all of us here is that God would give you the ability to long for him. Because I think this is something that God does in us first. That God transforms our hearts so that we can long for him. This is a part of this new creation life. This is a part of him removing our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. That was my story. I didn't know what what longing for Christ meant until Jesus saved me. So I think it's an okay prayer to pray. Say, God, help me to want to want you. Stir in my heart to long for you above all the other stuff. And even when we long for Christ above all else, the human heart, as Calvin says, is an idle factory. So we will constantly be wrestling with disordered longings where we make subordinate things ultimate things. We make longing for good things ultimate things. So the good news is that we can form our longings. We can exercise our longings through the regular acts of Christian worship. i taking these from Colossians 3. I'm not going to read it, but it's in the devotional. Thankfulness. Giving thanks for what we have been given by God. And not just the stuff that kind of communicates that what you're longing for isn't Christ, but your stuff and your blessings that he has given you, like your wealth and your food and all of that stuff, like that's fine. Thank him for your righteousness. Thank him for the cross. Thank him for your calling and your identity in him. Thank him for those big block issues, for your salvation, for your purpose, for your meaning, for your pursuits. Thank him even for your suffering for the name of Jesus. We meditate on the word of Christ. When we read scripture, we aren't just reading scripture to acquire knowledge and to learn more about who this Jesus guy is. That's not, that's the beginning steps. That's not pursuing maturity in Christ. We read it to direct our longing toward Jesus. That when we read scripture and we see the character of God on display in Christ, We should long for him all the more. We see how good Jesus is, how loving Jesus is, how kind he is. We should long for him more. This should move our longings to Jesus and reorient them towards him. When we sing here at church, we know we're not great singers, besides the folks up here. You guys are good. But us out here in the audience, they're like, I wonder, if you're visiting, like, I wonder if they know that the person behind, I wonder if he knows that he's not a good singer. He or she knows. (laughs) We're not hoping that there's like a group church audition for American Idol someday and that we're gonna win it. That's not why we sing every week. We sing to express our deepest longing to Jesus. So I know I stink at singing, and frankly, I don't care because I can't not sing praises to my Savior. When we sing in church, we are expressing our deepest longing, and it's Jesus. And when we sing together, it reorients our longing from all the things that we've been longing for throughout the week. And when those become ultimate things, we need these times to reorient our longings to Christ, to put him back in his proper place. Paul also brings up in Colossians 3 that everything he does is worship. Learning to, do, to view everything we do as worship to Jesus reminds us of our deepest longing amidst all of our other longings. I included this in here for the kids. when I knew you guys would be here. <laughs> One of my favorite characters in the Chronicles of Narnia in the Voyage of the Don Treader is this little rat called reef a <laughs> He's this, like, stout-hearted, this courageous, this bold rat. But he's a rat, and he's tiny. So, like, what can he really do, right? But this guy, oh, man. I get that picture in my head from the movies where he's riding over that big wave into Aslan's country, and you just see joy come over his face perfect peace. Granted, he's a rat. Right. but <laughs> here's what he says at one point in the book he said my, my own plans are made he said while I can I sail east in the dawn treader when she fails me I paddle east in my coracle it's a tiny little boat when she sinks I shall swim east with my four paws and when I can swim no longer if I've not reached Aslan's country or shot over the edge of the world into some vast cataract I shall sink with my nose to the sunrise this is a character who is determined to pursue Aslan's country above all else. And nothing will stop him. And so, here's the question I invite you to reflect on this morning. Or here's what I invite you to reflect on, not really a question, is Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Make that your prayer. Make that your prayer. My soul thirsts for God. When can I go and worship God? When can I meet with God? Lord, would you stir in us this longing for you? Spirit of God, would you... Give us longing for you, for the things of your kingdom. Would you reveal to us the lies and deceptions that we've been believing about what we truly long for? Call us to pursue you and your kingdom. Lord, give us pictures through your word of what it looks like, what a life longing for you looks like. Through Jesus, through Peter, through Paul, through all the characters in scripture, help us to see, Lord, what it looks like to long for you and to trust and to know that your way is the better way to live. So God, we are dependent on you. Produce in us this longing for you. That we might pursue you and your kingdom above all. And be willing to sacrifice our other longings, to subordinate our other longings, Because you are worth it, Jesus. Nothing compares to knowing you. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song and express our deepest longing for Christ.
0: God, would you give us a deeper longing for you, a deeper longing for your kingdom and your will, God, that we might further trust in you, further pursue you with our lives. God, we thank you that you long for us. We thank you that because you so long for us, you sent Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Again, happy Mother's Day to the moms. Have a wonderful Sunday.